Fellas, say goodbye to Chuck Sherman the boy. I am now a man. I highly recommend you join the club. We are doing the wild thing all night. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Sherman. Sherman, I could build this food. Is that all you gonna eat? General Sherman realized and understood the importance of house music. So, do you know anything about techno? No. Listen. Yeah, you know. Yo, yo, what's good, everyone? And welcome back to another brand new episode of Sherman the Booth. I'm, of course, your host, Sherm. Today is Wednesday, October 13th, 2021, and this is episode 181, and we have an amazing interview for you all today. Episode 181 features someone from behind the scenes who plays an instrumental role in the development of artists and their careers. I am so excited to have the one and only Parker, somebody send us home, Cohen of Metatone Management on Sherman the Booth. I firmly believe that people like Parker are the lifeblood of the music industry because they help bring everything together when it comes to making it as an artist in this game. Incredible conversation throughout this one. At episode 181, we got it all in. It started by talking about how he got into the music industry. Born and raised in Dallas, Texas, Parker has always had his sights set on big things. After graduating from Yukon, Parker decided to move to Arizona to pursue a career in the entertainment industry. He cut his teeth hustling as an artist relation manager while working at Yelp until he made the jump to join his longtime friend Holt Harmon in artist management. They co-founded Metatone Management and have it slowed down since. I loved hearing how they've been building Metatone over the years. Parker and Holt work side by side managing artists like John Summit, Kyle Walker, Freak On, Deeper Purpose, Ranger Truco, and Honey Love. We went deep and discussed their roles and what it really means to be a manager versus an agent or a publicist. Like I said, they truly have played an instrumental part in giving their artists the bandwidth to focus on their craft and their brands while they take care of the rest. Incredible team as a whole. This interview was filled with tons of great music industry advice. Parker and I have both had lots of ups and downs in this game, and we shared some stories and pieces of advice for anyone who's trying to make it on any side of the industry. Parker has a really unique perspective on the future of dance music, and we also had a great conversation on why we think house music is bigger and better than ever. If you know Parker through social media, then you know he loves to have a good time. However, I have to say, he knows how to get down to business and takes his company and artist careers very seriously. At the end of the day, we're all just trying to make it and have as much fun as we can along the way. Mad love and respect to Parker, Holt, and the whole Metatone team. So excited to see what the future holds for them. Parker, thanks so much for making some time and coming on the show. But guys, let's get into it right now so you can hear a story for yourselves. This is episode 181 with Parker, Somebody Send Us Home, Cohen. Ladies and gentlemen, hello, hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Sherman the Booth. I have said it's a special episode before, but I'm confident that this <laughs> one's going to be very special because this guy is ready to fucking podcast. We've got Parker. Send us home, Cohen, on the show today. Cheers to you, my man. I wish you could have I like that. me right now. I, yeah, I'm laying off the alcohol for now because it's, uh, it's been a gnarly last year. But anyways, <laughs> I like that, by the way. I'm going to have to add... I'm gonna have to add send me home like in my fucking like that's i'm gonna just legally change my middle name to that i kind of like that idea dude you have been such a like shining light of laughter for me like since i started following you and i don't think you i don't think it's any secret you probably have a lot of haters out there and it's so like you just like say like this is who i am unapologetically and i can't tell you how much i admire that in every single way 
Yeah, man. No, I appreciate that. I mean, life's too short not to do that, right? Yes. That's why. At least that's how I feel about it. Yeah, you man. Know, what am, What am I gonna do? Like, live and adhere to other people's opinions and the, the way that they think you know you are living it up. Go. You were living it up, man, and with yeah, a smile man. on your face. Wise man once said, "You only live once." A wise, very wise man. I think that was who was, was that? Abe Lincoln, George Washington. Mm-hmm. Yep, one of those. One of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> My man it is. It is a pleasure to have you here. Um, for those that don't know, um, you are the 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 co CEO, co founder of Metatone. Co founder. Is it co founder? CEO. What's your exact title? Yeah. 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 It's co-founder, you know, like he, right. yeah. Yeah. Co-founder and slash owner. Slash owner. Yeah. Whatever you want to call it. It's just, it's me and Holt, you know, like I you was gonna say, all these, <laughs> in the music industry, there's no titles like that. In the no, you really world. don't. You really don't need like these crazy job titles when it's just yeah. two people. So yeah, we just, you know, co-founder, co-owner, whatever you want to call it. But yeah. I'm, I, uh, I always love interviewing people like you uh, who are behind the scenes because I strongly believe you're the lifeblood in the industry in so many different ways. I got a lot of great questions for you today, but before we get into that, Sorry. I always like to kick off every interview with a great question. You just mentioned you've been traveling all over, having a hell of a last year. Where is your favorite place you've been um, since sort of we've been able to go out and about again? Man, that's a tough one. Well, it's actually not a tough one because we're so all right. We went to uh, Croatia about a month and a half ago, two months mm-hmm. ago for yeah. defected Croatia. Yeah. Um, and man, like that was just such an experience um, for multiple reasons, but especially because for a lot of Europeans and, you know, people out in the UK, that was actually like their first legit like oh really you know oh yeah because you know over there it's been different than here like i knew we've been touring you know we've been touring you know i mean pretty much since october granted it was like only in florida for you know (laughs) the start of it and then we hopped over to texas when texas opened up like you know we obviously it's been like very state by state like what you know what the restrictions have been but but over there and like in the uk i mean they went you know, they went a good year and a half without any sort of like, you know, social interaction. So, wow. Like, and actually defected Croatia was supposed to happen before it even did. So it got, it got moved back and then like, you know, pubs and like bars and venues started opening up like mm-hmm. just like a week or two before that happened. So Defected Croatia for them, for a lot of, you know, a lot of these house heads overseas, like that was their first legit like festival and big thing back to go to. So it was just like the energy out there was like so crazy because it was like everybody was just so happy to be back. Like like Sam Devine, like she literally like finished her first set and then had an interview like right after it. And she just started like bawling her eyes out during the interview. interview. And she's like, because she's like, I didn't expect to like be this emotional, but it's like, it really is like so amazing. Like seeing everybody like back on the dance floor, smiling again, you know, just happy to like be around good music and people. Um, But aside from that aspect of it, which was like, you know, which was really cool. It was just like, we were in Tisno, Croatia, which is like, just like bum fuck in the middle of nowhere, Croatia. (laughs) Um, It was just beautiful out there, man. It was just, it was, it was gorgeous. It was really, it was really a cool experience as well as like our first time, you know, meeting 
um, the whole defected crew who we've been working with since, you know, last May, since, since deep end came out, you know, John's, John's big, big hit. So yes, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was really special that trip. I would have to say defected Croatia. It's like, it's been the coolest, coolest thing that we've done so far this year. Yeah. And you know, what's so special to a, a European crowd and, and nothing against Americans, you know, like 21 plus fest in the U S especially house music fest, very educated crowd. Not everyone's blacking out and nothing against Lollapalooza either. But like what I'm trying to say is the crowd out there is probably sloppy. something, something oh, no. next level. Like no, no, it is. they aren't it is the 100%. same. No, no, they aren't. I mean, you look over and you'll see like, you know, a couple in their like mid fifties. Yeah, just, like, exactly. They got, yeah. They got it. They, I mean, it's so, it's so wholesome. you like, you'll literally see, like, I say mid fifties. I mean, there were like legitimate grandparents there, like sixties oh, yeah. and seventies. I remember like there was one um, couple that literally like they had lawn chairs that they would like bring with them, you know, and they would just kind of like plop them up like kind of like in the back like they weren't like in the way of anything you know but they right. kind of like set up set them up in the back and like they would just like literally sit there and just like hold it was so wholesome it was like adorable wow just sit there and hold, hold hands sip on their sip on their drink and just listen to disco and just yeah. like vibe out while they're sitting in their lawn chairs and it's like you don't see that at like you don't see that at electric forest you know you don't see that no. at fucking like you know what i mean like or Lollapalooza, like, I mean, yeah. I don't know, maybe, maybe a little bit more in Lollapalooza because it's all genres, but like, you know, usually you're seeing like 16 year olds, like fucking yeah. blacking out for their first time. Like, Drinking, yeah, they snuck in a water bottle in their crotch. Yeah. And hey, exactly. yeah, I think you and I are the first to admit we did that, but. Oh, of course. 100%. Some perspective when you go out there. A hundred percent. I remember paying 10 bucks for a bottle of shitty, shitty vodka back in the day and then drink the whole thing, black out and do it again the next weekend thinking you're all, you're all hot shit. Yeah. No. Those are the days, those the glory days. days. Yeah, those, those were the glory days for sure. But I'm, I'm on to 1942 now. Yeah. <laughs> and Japanese whiskey. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. The finer, sure. the finer, the finer things in life now. That's right. to do at least amazing yeah. and it's been just like i said just so cool watching you and and your team um go around and just spreading your music everywhere and i think that's just been amazing to see especially considering of what we came out of and um i'm pumped to ask you about how you played a huge role in some of your artist careers especially in the past year and a half um but totally. that's most important right now i want to find out how you got to that point how you got to where you're at right now man so we got to start at the beginning yeah. I know we had a great okay. conversation before we went on air, but um, I'd love to hear it yep. again. Tell me about where you were born and raised and, and when music started coming into yep. your life too. Yeah. So I am from Plano, Texas. Which Plano. Is Plano. Yeah, okay. Suburb of Dallas. Have you heard, have you heard of Plano? I have. Yeah. Like I said, I was in logistics, yeah, okay, so I cool. can tell you every fucking suburb of Dallas, Fort Worth. Okay. Yeah. Sick. Well, I mean, Plano actually is a really it's North, big, isn't it? Like, uh, ish. Yeah. Ish. It's dude. So Plano's like it's a it's a big it's like a pretty big suburb. Like population really? Plano's like yeah, I want to say it's like it's a couple hundred thousand. And then like Dallas, yeah, it's it's pretty big. And then like Dallas, obviously, as like you know a metroplex is fucking massive. But usually, I just tell people I'm from I'm from Dallas because it's just <laughs> a lot easier to say. Um, so yeah, grew up in Plano. Um, I I don't know. I would say I like first got my like my music passion like i mean just in general 
um, when I was a kid. So my parents like forced me to learn how to play an instrument. They said I could pick whatever instrument <laughs> I wanted. I was literally like six years old at the time. Damn. Didn't know, like, didn't know what to pick. So I was just like, Oh, like let's give violin a shot. So <laughs> yeah, like such a random instrument, but I yeah. got into playing the violin. Okay. They made me play it. They made me play it. Like, I think I, I wasn't allowed to quit until I was 12. So when I got into middle school, they, they were like really like serious about me learning how to play an instrument. I just thought it was really important for my childhood and just sure. like a good skill, skill set to have. So I yeah. played it for six years. Wow. Um, quit when I was 12. Um, and like, you know, I, like, I just, I really, I got into music obviously just from learning how to play an instrument, but then you know, like it wasn't classical music. Like I think by like fifth grade, I was like, you know, I was like really into hip hop and like rap and 50 cent G unit, Eminem, like the whole, yeah, the whole shebang. Um, so I, you know, I, I got really into music like at, a, at, a, at an early age. And then I first discovered electronic music um probably at the end of middle school so it was like eighth grade when i stumbled upon like dead mouse cascade um armin van buren those were like a cut those were like i would say like if i like if i had to pick like three artists like those were the first three that i really like dead discovered and got got into yeah 100%. did you have friends um, or like siblings yes okay. yes friends yeah. friends so I'm, yeah. an, I'm an only child so i okay. didn't have siblings that were into it but um, one of my really good buddies who, you know, I grew up playing tennis with, um, was two years older than me and he showed me like, um, oh, what was the album called? Armin's, um, his like most like famous albums, like uh, imagine something, another, oh, I can't remember what it was, but I know what you mean, yeah. it's like, yeah, it's like the album cover with him, like holding up a pair of headphones. Intense. Um, Is it called intense? Uh, no, that was a new maybe. One. I don't, I don't know. I can't remember what it was called. They're all majestic. All majestic. No, they, they really are. They really are. Um, but he like, like showed me that album and I was like, what in the fuck is this? Like, this, it was just like so foreign to me. I'm over here listening to like young buck and like, yeah. you know, fucking 50, 50 cent. And then he shows me this shit and I'm just like, what in the world is this? Like, yeah. Very intriguing. And then yeah. like shortly, shortly after that, like, you know, dead mouse cascade, um, and, you know, obviously like I kind of grew up during that like big EDM burst, you know, cause like from like 2000 and, you know, 10 to 12, I guess was like really when that like levels, exactly, exactly. Shit started like really picking up. And then, yeah, I went to my first club show before I even turned 18. I had to like use a fake ID just to get in. Let's go. Um, yeah, it was a lizard lounge in Dallas. I saw Tommy Trash when I was 17. That was oh, like the first, yes, bro. It was the first club show that I ever went to. And then like three months later, I went to Lights All Night in Dallas, which mm-hmm. is like that's you know, still around, isn't it? Like it is, it is. It's a it's a New Year's festival, and that was the first cool. like music festival I went to, and that 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 was like that was that was it for me yeah i was like holy shit this this is this is crazy like so i saw like tiesto and like flux pavilion and laid back loop benny benny but like all the like classic legends you know in 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 the edm world um so yeah that's that's like kind of the progression into like how i got into dance music and then i discovered house music um 
you know, like right when I got into college, so like 2013. Um, so you were just like you know, loving it as a, as a hobby still, like as your favorite type of music, because you went there to play tennis, you said, right? Yeah, yeah. So I went to UConn to play to play tennis. Um, and then like goes. the very, yeah, yeah, that's right. And then like the very beginning of college. Um, so the first like massive festival I went to was EDC Vegas. And that was in 2013. And that was right when we just started kind of like, like me and my like friends started kind of discovering house music. Like mm-hmm. we still didn't like fully understand it and how like, just how deep rooted like that culture and that scene actually is. And oh, didn't yeah. really know much about it. Like the right. fact that that actually is what started, you know, all of this EDM shit. Like mm-hmm. we, didn't, we didn't, you know, we were naive. Yeah. Um, the first festival we went to, um, I say we, Holt, my business partner Hell was, yeah. Um, yeah, was, was EDC 2013. Um, we had been to lights all night before, but like something about going out of state, you know, like it was almost like lights all night didn't really count just cause it was like a yeah. hometown festival or whatever. But then obviously you go to EDC Vegas and like, you, commit you know, they see like, they, they see like 350,000 people over the weekend compared to lights all night, which is <laughs> what, like, I don't know, 10,000, 20,000, whatever it is. It's, right. it's apples and oranges. Right. So EDC like that shit that was when like you know also I'll never forget this and Holt and I like literally we still talk about this because we're like on the main stage at EDC we're just like looking at all this shit and that was the year they had that like big owl like big blue owl that like opened its arms up that was the first year that they did that really crazy like production because 2012 the year before was still just like massive LED shit you know like LED walls and whatnot but then 2013 that was when they, they got like trippy with it. Um, <laughs> and I just, I, I just, I never, I'll never forget. Like we're literally sitting there on the main stage. Probably I can't remember the set, like Porter Robinson or Nikki Romero or some like ED, EDM act. And we're just like right. sitting there like, holy shit. And, you know, we had that like quick little out of body moment where we're like, yeah, I don't know like what we're going to do. I don't know how we're going to do it, but like, <laughs> we need to work in this and we need to be around this for the rest of our lives. And that was, that was kind of it. And we went back again. So we were freshmen in college. We went back again in 2014. It was a sick experience, but it wasn't as good as 2013 just because like, you know, 2013 was like, that was like getting our cherries popped. Yeah, for sure. Like, (laughs) holy fuck. Um, But after 2014, we like, we decided we're like, all right, that was cool and all right EDC was sick um you know we'll go to other shit but we kind of decided like all right we're not going to go back to edc until we're either working the festival or like you know at the time like obviously we had just started we were like thought maybe we'll start producing and become djs and we did but we both like gave producing a shot for a little bit and then mm-hmm. just like ended up not being our thing but sure. like until we're either working it until we're either playing it working with an artist that's playing it, whatever. I don't know how, but until we're tied to this industry somehow, we're not going back. So we haven't been to EDC Vegas since 2014. And literally in a couple of weeks, we have four artists playing a total of 10 sets that weekend. So (laughs) I might like, we, yeah, we've already talked about like, we might get a little emotional when we're like, you know, like, and and, like we walk back down the fucking steps of the the racetrack and we see that shit. I'm getting a flashback. Right. And like, 
so it's going to be uh it's going to be really it's going to be a, a big like full circle moment for us to go back out there and like we weren't lying like we, ha- we haven't been back since and now we're like we're doing this shit so damn um, that's amazing yeah, so bro that's, yeah so that's kind of like the full little like musical background and how we kind of you know both decided that we wanted to do this shit and like i said 2013 we were naive we had no idea like what we were going to do or how are we how we were going to do it but um we just knew that this was like you know something we wanted to be involved in and yeah. we weren't gonna stop until we found our way i really respect that i i have a much smaller scale example uh chicago has this venue called the aragon ballroom I, you might have heard of yep. it before. i've heard of it yeah, yeah yeah uh before i even uh moved to chicago i was like a senior in college i went to go see dylan francis you know we all we all and dylan francis the ship we all go through that yeah you know, of course intro to edm you know we all of course of course you can't <laughs> eventually you can't everyone will be in house music uh graduate school yeah. like we are now but time will tell everyone ends up there eventually yeah everyone and does. i just was like there we were with all, all our friends and i was like i was djing at that point but like hadn't really had that moment like just kind of having fun with it in college and i saw him crushing it and how the crowd was going crazy and it was like a, one of my first bigger concert experiences that wasn't like bullshit you know like a real venue. Right. And I said to my friends, I was like, give me five years and I'm going to fucking play here. I'm going to do that. And lo and behold, five years later, I opened for Galantis there. And it just is like this remarkable feeling where you're like, damn, I I put in nonstop work with that in the back of my head. Just like you may not have thought about it every day. Like you may not have said it out loud, but like it's always there. And there's just a little subconscious seed. And it's so tough bro in the creative industry in the music industry to try and set that goal and find a way to make that happen because sometimes you take a road that takes you the other way sometimes you take a road that takes you that way but there's nothing more fulfilling on a personal level when you set a goal that almost seems out of reach but inspiring every day to get up and do that so i I know what you mean it's just calling your shots man i mean that's like that i mean if to be honest if there's like any any like you know, piece of our success that I, you know, would have to like attribute to any one thing. It's, it's that, it's that yeah. like ever, I mean, even since literally 2013 from us saying that all the way to like a year ago or two years ago when we actually were further along and like actually in the industry saying like, no, like this is what we're going to do. Right. You know, here's our, this is kind of like the plan that we're laying out to get there. And like, by this time next year, like we want to have accomplished this, 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 that, whatever. Yep. And then like, sure enough, like we always end up in this position where like, we're, you know, we have this weird, like out of body moment. Cause it is important to sit back and reflect, and, you know, you have to, this industry moves so fast. If you yeah. don't pat, stop for a second and pat yourself on the back and say, oh, yeah. okay, fuck, like, let's just acknowledge how far we've come. Cause it's really easy to mm-hmm. like, you know, like as you progress, you have a whole new set of like things that stress you the fuck out. <laughs> a whole new set of, you know, yeah. like tasks and roles that that just like, you know, that kind of like sweep you, you know, out of out of the moment. And it's kind of nice. You have to be able to like sit back for a second and be like, hold on a second. Like, let's remember where we were this time last year and what we said we were going to do. And like, we fucking did it. And like, here we are like that, that needs to be acknowledged. And like, you know, mm-hmm. we don't sit there and like, mull, you know, mull it over for long, Yeah, but it's important, 
you know, you got to celebrate, you got to celebrate the wins. So absolutely. And every little win along the, along, along the road too, for anybody out there that's listening to this, like celebrate those little wins. hundred percent, hundred percent, because it's really easy to, a lot of people think, you know, like, Oh, happiness. It's like, comes from like setting goals and smashing them and whatever. And like, that is true, but like, yeah. you got to find happiness along the way as well. And yep. like, you know, the progress, that's like where you need to like, that's what you need to get addicted to is not the results, but the the process, you know, on the way to the results. So it is important. You gotta, you gotta celebrate every win, no matter how big or small. True, man. True. And it's been a hell of a journey for you too. So I guess let's fast forward. You finishing college. What, what's going through your head there? Like, I mean, what did you major in? Were you thinking about pursuing a goal in a different industry? Yeah. So I, um, I actually, I majored in economics um, figured, you know, <laughs> when I was setting my major, I was like, all right, like I wanted to do something business related. Sure. Um, and economics is kind of relevant in any industry, you know, it's That's constantly, constantly, constantly evolving around us, whatever. Yeah. Obviously like knowing what I know now, not really that relevant of a, of a major for, um, <laughs> for the music business. Like, <laughs> All professionalism really to candor you 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 are yeah. an economics major in a lot of ways i see for, that now for sure for sure and like you know it, i don't get me wrong like i learned a lot but it's like yeah. really all you need to know is like simple supply and demand and it's like <laughs> if you know that then you kind of so, and it's like anybody can learn that in like one class so like you, know, yeah. you learn that in your intro to, to the economics anyways but i minored in entrepreneurship okay um so I always kind of had an entrepreneurial spirit about me. Um, also just hate the idea of like working for the man, you know, yeah. like just that idea like bugs me. Like I never sure. wanted to do that for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, so my senior year of college, I actually, I studied abroad in London. And so the, the business and economics program at UConn did like an exchange program over there. And half of the semester was, um, the first half of the semester is taking classes. Um, we only work, we only had classes four days a week. So it was pretty sick. We had like three day weekends every week. We wanted to take time to go travel or whatever. Um, and then the second half of the semester was, um, every student in the program got placed in an internship. Okay. And the internship was again, was Monday through Thursday had Fridays off the whole semester, but you got class credit for essentially doing an internship in whatever, you know, field of interest you you had. So prior to me going out there, we had, you know, like counselors that we met with and essentially, you know, had to kind of like explain what our interests were, what we thought we wanted to get into, you know, once we, when we graduate and this and that. And everybody in my program is like, you know, I want to work in finance. I want to be mm-hmm. in wealth management. I want to like do this and that. And I'm over here. Like, I want to work in the music industry. And they're like, <laughs> they're like, uh, okay, let's, let's see what internships do we have available for this kid over here? So I, I, I ended up being the last kid, like last one in my program to get placed at an internship. Cause they, like, they went and like fielded out all of the internship opportunities for us. Like we basically just told them what we were interested in. It was really cool. Um, but I got really lucky. I ended up, uh, interning for 
what at the time was like the largest talent management agency in the UK. Um, they were back then James Grant Group. They're now YGG and they merged with Dexstar mm. out in LA. So like wow. now like, the, yeah, so they have like, currently they have like Blink-182 and like Steve Aoki on their roster and shit. Yeah, but, they're big. So they're, yeah, so they're bigger now than they were then. And actually they, back when they were James Grant in the UK, they did a lot more, it was talent management, not just like artist management. So they represented a lot of actors and like comedians and, um, you know, also like musicians and bands and stuff. And even like influencers, like they just, it was talent management, like all, right. you know, 360 like entertainment industry. Um, so I worked in their brand department. So we did like, you know, um kind of like what we were talking about earlier how like you know certain artists will team up and partner with um with brands to help you know influence do influencer yeah. marketing and whatnot so right. we i was in the brand department and helps you know like brainstorm different ideas and brands that you know our clients could work with and you know help to make pitch decks and this and that so it wasn't like I didn't get like an insane amount of music industry experience, but it was definitely relevant. It was entertainment Strategy. industry experience. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so after that, I, you know, obviously was an incredible thing to add to my resume. Yeah. Um, and then, like I was telling you earlier, before we started the podcast, um, I ended up getting connected with um, through a family friend. Um, the owner of an event company out here in Arizona who, you know, did all the like talent buying for Maya day and night club out in old town Scottsdale. Oh yeah. Um, live wire, which was like a bigger venue right across the street, which is, uh, has since gone out of business and was torn down and now it's like a bowling alley or some shit. Um, but so I started working for, for them and did, like I said, I was doing like marketing promotions, assistant talent buying um you know a little bit of everything as far as events are concerned um and that's where i like really got my first like professional like intro into the music industry um and yeah it was sick i mean you know it's funny is i actually still have a lot of the same connections like now that i got even from that job because one of my main job roles was running hospitality for our shows so for like a year and a half every friday and sunday i was at the club you know and i was the dude who now <laughs> i text before you know arriving to the venue <laughs> with our artists wow it's, kind of, it's, just like, it's full circle so i was right. the dude who like took care of the artist and their management or their tour manager or whatever it was made right. sure that they ha- they were having a good time and awesome you know for a lack of a better way to put it i was getting paid to party with artists and yeah you know and managers and it was sick and um that was yeah so that that was like the from college into like post-grad life um you know kind of where things went and now here we are wow what wait yeah. come on you got to give us like one funny story from those days like what artist rolled through did you have like a oh my Ready? god that's them no yeah yep no 100 skrillex so skrillex what? came through he came through he played the day club so on on fridays <laughs> oh, it was shit. So on Fridays, Maya was a nightclub, you know, from the typical midnight to 2 a.m. shutdown. Right. Um, and then on Sundays for four, five months out of the year, it was um, a day club and it was outside. They had like outdoor, you know, club area and an indoor club area. So Skrillex played the day club and <laughs> um, 
it was yeah it was total aha like holy shit like starstruck moment where i like i went and the w hotel is like right across the street from maya so you know would always like text you know tour managers artists or whatever and just be like i'm gonna just like meet you out in the lobby yeah i've been there that place is wild well oh you've been you've been to maya i went there when like they had the patio covered or the pool covered like i saw the space insane yeah wait was that recently somewhat recently uh two years ago two years ago okay because i was gonna say yeah they like just opened up the out like the day club again so now it's like like, renovated the whole place it's actually pretty sick now but um so yeah walked skrillex and his team over from the w and i'm like shake skrillex's hand (laughs) holy fuck like you're (laughs) you're you and he's like yeah i know um but the the best part of the story is like you know we're like in the middle of his set and I'm stage managing slash, you know, just like doing risk management, damage control, typical event shit, you know, Um, in the middle of his set, he just like, you know, typical Skrillex fashion hops on the mic and he's like, yo, where he's like, where's, where's my like day of show guy at? Where's the guy that like, that's taking care of me. And I was like back there and I was like, uh, my boss actually showed up for this show the owner of the company just because he always showed up to like the big shows. Obviously it's right. Right. So he's like, he like kind of tapped me. He's like, that's, that's you. Like, and I was like, Oh fuck. So I kind of like walk over the side. I was like, like me, he's like on the mic. There's like, you know, fucking a thousand people out there. He's like, Oh yeah, there he is. He got me from the W he's like, do me a favor, my man. He's like, I want you to get 300 beers, put it on my tab. We'll take care of it. 300 beers and start passing them out to everybody in the crowd. And I like, I looked over my boss and like looked at him and he's like, that's not coming off of our tab. He's like, yeah, fucking you heard him go grab those 300 beers. I'm like, wow. All right, let's do it. So went and got like, you know, a couple of the bar backs and they just started carrying out buckets <laughs> of beer. Shit. And I just started like Tom, we're just like tossing fucking beers everywhere to people in the crowd. And yeah, so it was just funny as hell. Cause like, he like basically calls me out in the middle of the set. And I was just like, <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I was like, like what's going on right now like i i'm that guy but like also i don't know that i want to be that guy right now like everybody's like <laughs> staring at me anyways yeah so that was like the wow that's one of the most like memorable you know like stories i have from my couple years working on that side of things but that's unbelievable bro you got you were in yeah. your stripes though it sounds like in the early I, yeah you know yeah I, I tried to and i think that's also why i'm like you know like good at like tour management too because i do like i travel with a lot of our artists and it's because i i was on the other side of that for so long so it's like you know i get that compliment every now and then too from stage managers or like hospitality contacts or like yo by the way like thank you for because there's always some shit that happens yeah drunk asshole makes his way backstage like yep you know somebody steps on a cord you know like a booth monitor goes out whatever it is right constantly have to be like on your game um yeah. and like you know i know what that's about just because i did it like two, like i said like twice a week for a year and a half straight so yeah. that's awesome bro it's, yeah that's definitely the the fun part of of artist management is yeah is like you know you get to sure. go and watch your dude crush it and mm-hmm. have a drink or 15 along the way <laughs> Don't tell your doctor how many though. Yeah, don't tell my yeah, don't tell my GP that. Don't tell my general practitioner that. He wouldn't want to hear that. Oh my god, that cracks me up, bro. Amazing, yeah, though. amazing. So like, so you mentioned Holt a few times, who has been yep. a longtime friend of yours. Yep. At this point, sixth grade, since sixth grade. 
Fuck yeah, man. Shout out to Holt. Great guy. Much taller than I expected in real life, too. He's very tall. Everyone, yeah, everyone gets thrown off by that. Especially because <laughs> we're especially short, with you this... know, tall people at us are like, whoa, man. Yeah, no, exactly. But especially, especially <laughs> because of the last year, it's hilarious because we've talked to so many people over Zoom and like FaceTime right. and Google Hangout, whatever it is. Yeah. And then like we go and meet up with them like in person for the first time. Like this happened when we went to Croatia for defective Croatian. We met up with all the, like the whole defective team that we've been communicating with for the past year. And they're like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, why didn't you ever, they, they almost get mad. They're like, why didn't you ever like tell us? And, and Holt's like, what, what was I supposed to be like? Oh, Hey, like, Holt Harmon, nice to meet you. By the way, I'm six, nine. I know that's not relevant. To all these conversations. It's it's pretty funny. So like, funny. see, yeah, he like definitely throws some people off without the audience. But yeah, it's nice having a, a tall friend that's like a best friend too. Oh, for sure. You feel a little bit cooler than you actually are. A little You're bit like, cooler. A little bit. Yeah, don't fuck with us because I got I got He's tall. Man, my my boy over here will just fucking drop. We'll you, see so. you coming from a mile away. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's right. Amazing. Okay, so what what yeah. was like the time frame between you working and then saying to Holt like let's start doing something serious? Yeah. So um, he was working for Audiophile Records, okay. um, which is no longer a label, um, but you know they were they were they actually made some pretty decent noise back in like you know 2016 17 they actually had a lot of like the early like dirty bird artists that were um you know sort of came up through releasing with them um you know everyone from like steve darko to west end to you know they had releases from dylan nathaniel back in the day even dude even kyle watson released on audio file like back in the day like they they actually had some like legit releases um so holt was working for them uh the label was based out of dallas and you know he got looped with um jimmy the dude who started the label like towards the end of college so when i came out to arizona to do the whole event thing he stayed back and was working for audiophile on the record label side um and then within the first year or so of doing that they started like an artist management division within the label and whole you know sort of like headed that up and signed his first artist which is dead space um and basically he like that was like his kind of intro into artist management like which was really just more of a focus on the label side and how to kind of like foster artists through the label um right and how to you know sort of manage them from that perspective um and then about a year into it i was still working for sle out here in arizona um i kind of came on sort of like I guess as like in in like as an intern sort of just was like hey like I want to like I'm doing all this shit out here with events like I want to learn about the label side of things too and just at that point you know it's like 2017 I just wanted to like soak up as much information as I could so I basically came on and was like helping Holt like co-manage Dead Space and was you know helping out with just like little tasks here and there hopping on phone phone calls you know with jimmy and the other guys just to again just soak soak shit up yeah um and then fast forward a little bit you know about a year later um we both almost at the exact same time just kind of hit these like ceilings within our respective jobs where we're like Mm -hmm. we're just like not learning anymore yeah not really 
not really not sure as hell not making any more money yeah like we're kind of just like all right like we're at this crossroads here like what do we do and i'll actually never forget the phone because again it's another one of those moments holt picked up the phone and called me i was actually over at a buddy's house we were just like drinking and chilling yeah and i ended up like going upstairs and taking this phone call and was on the phone with holt for like an hour (laughs) holt came to me and was like yo I think it's time like I don't I and I hadn't quit yet I didn't quit SLE but he kind of like his phone call to me was him letting me know like hey by the way I'm like stepping away from audiophile I'm not you know I don't have the you know the the creative freedom that you know I want to have I I just I feel like I feel like there's more for me to explore so I'm leaving audiophile um and I like, I think we should get into artist management and like really do this thing. And I, like, I had been thinking about leaving SLE at the time, Yeah. but it was like, it was like, wasn't until he called me and told me all that Yeah. where I was like, holy shit, where I was like, dude, everything you're telling me about feeling like you kind of hit a ceiling and like this and that, like I'm feeling the exact same way at SLE. So yeah, let's fucking do this. So started Metazone, like literally like the next week filed for, you know, to get an LLC up and running. Mm-hmm. the whole the whole shebang got, got a logo made um started thinking about our name Hell yeah. um you know all the fun the fun like early stages of starting a, yeah. a company and and then yeah I and mean, then it wasn't too much longer after that that i quit at sle um and actually what i didn't even tell you before this podcast that not maybe not many people know um after i left sle i didn't go full-time with management because like we weren't making enough money to do that so for a year i actually went and worked for yelp and i did um i was a i was an account executive and i did sales so wow Parker, like, holy yeah shit. so i did yeah yeah so i did phone say i did phone sales for a year wow um while also like building up the company and you know managing all the artists that we were working with yeah um, and i gotta say I almost got more experience from Yelp working for Yelp than I did working for SLE. Like not more because obviously working for SLE, like there was so much industry specific shit that I just like picked up on like subconsciously, you know? Yeah. But it was like, as far as like life experience and just overall like practicality, like what I like the skills that I like use in my day to day now, I learned so much from that job because it was, phone sales dude i literally had to make 65 dials a day of pitching yelp ads minimum yeah how to talk to people yep how yep. to win people yep. over exactly exactly um so anybody that's watching this like if you want to uh, honestly if you don't know what to do if you're like like let's say you're freshly out of college like whatever it is not really sure what you want to do go do sales anywhere like wow. i will i will take that with me to the grave because it doesn't matter what you get into after that you will gain just so much um like so much value just from like a worldly like soft skills hard skills everything exactly exactly you just learn how to like read people how to communicate how to how to influence people you know i don't want to say the word manipulate because that gets like a a negative connotation but like influence is really the way to put it like you know you're you're influencing people and and how you know they make their decisions and trying to get them to make a decision that you know benefits you yeah um while trying to make it seem like it's their idea you know like there's a lot of 
there's a lot of good that, that came out of that job. So that's highly awesome. recommend. You're a true yeah. hustler, bro. Hustler to hustler. I, I, that's not an easy job either. No, it's not. It wore on me quick too. And that's the thing. Like I, like I was good at it. Like I was really good at it. Um, and I hated it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, so that's the thing. Like if I didn't, if I wasn't working in music, I probably would be doing sales. I just like, I would have gotten to a point where I didn't obviously wasn't doing cold call calling sales. Like I would have wanted to go figure out another sales job where it's a little bit more like relationship building and not as like, you know, transactional yeah exactly exactly there was just yeah. so churn and burn you know but you, am- sure. amazing experience nonetheless and i still use a lot of the skills that you know i picked up from that job today so i bet you write a hell of an email don't you i do i do i write a hell of an email i can hop on the phone with anybody yeah and you want to um, hop on the phone too i do i do <laughs> i want to hop on the phone because it's there's a it's just it's a lot easier um Again, for lack of a better way to put it, it's like a lot easier for me to manipulate or influence somebody if I'm on the phone with them as opposed to writing an email. I closed zero sales over email when I was at Yelp. Every single one of them came over the phone. I mean, I closed over a quarter million dollars in a year. So go. it's, you know, yeah, there's something about the face-to-face, voice-to-voice, whatever connection that you just need you. when you're trying to get something done you make a, a little bit more sense down to me. Like, I think, I think I understand you knowing that now. Thanks. Thanks for right? saying that, bro. <laughs> it's funny. I do. I say that to people and they're like, Oh, oh. They're, like, they're like, yeah. They're like, I, I could see you in sales. They're like, you I could would see that. kill it in sales. Any type of yeah. sales for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I would probably be doing if I wasn't in music and truth be told. Yeah. If you really kind of break it down, like the music industry doesn't matter what, like facet of it you're working in it is fucking sales oh you're selling you're selling dude you're selling yourself you're selling your artist if you're a manager you're if you're a label you're pitching why an artist should sign with you guys you know um if you're a fucking talent buyer obviously that's like you're you're fucking trying to like convince an agent who reps Skrillex like why Skrillex should be playing your fucking thousand cap venue when he can go take any show you know in the country yeah um if you are a booking agent you are selling your artist trying to get as much money as you know humanly possible playing the best clubs best venues in the best markets it's it's literally it's just sales everywhere you look so again it, it it's like I'm not surprised that I got a lot out of that job that's awesome. Great experience. Yeah. Though. Great life experience. It is. It is. Very, very, very happy uh, the day I was able to quit. But <laughs> but great experience nonetheless. And uh, yeah, now here we are. Well, take it from there. Take it from the day you quit then and when, when Metatone became real. Yeah, so that was, um, was 2019. That was actually right before Miami Music Week. Okay. So it was like, March of 2019 and I started in like March of 2018. Yeah. Um and really to be honest I quit because that last month of sales that I had yeah. was my best month. I closed so our quota was um was 20k. Yeah, like that was our quota every month. So I had to close 20k. I closed like 62k in revenue that that last month so my commission check the last month 
before Miami Music Week was was gnarly. It was like like eight thousand dollar commission check or something. Oh, no. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, <laughs> and, and 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 really, what happened was I was running out of PTO, and um, and so I had like my vacation days were like running thin, and like only had like another sick day or two, and we're going out to Miami for Miami Music Week, and like had all these plans, and like you know I was gonna have to take like another like seven days off, eight days, and. You know, I was trying to like come back the following Monday and recover. I didn't want to like go straight back into work. So I was like, right. Man, like I'm really dipping into my like paid time off here. <laughs> um, so that's actually why I quit was because I was like, all right, I got a good like safety. Yeah. I already had, I already like, I'm smart with my money. I had like a good little savings fund going. And then right. plus that commission check, I was like, all right, I'm going to just go ahead and dip. And yep. there was also the aspect of it too, like, Without sounding cocky, like yeah. I knew I could always go back and work there if I needed to. Oh, they'll take so you like, back, bro, for sure. Well, and exactly, and that's so they they tried really hard to get me to stay because, mm-hmm. like, I told them they knew exactly why I was there. They knew what I was doing because that's part of their their job. It's like you know all the trainers and managers they want to find out what makes your clock tick because yep. they know that most of the people working that job are not just trying to do sales forever. They're doing yeah. it to make money, right? Um, to go do something else usually. Yep. So they were like, look, like, what can we do to get you to stay like this and that, blah, blah. And I was like, it's not happening. Uh, but our, like my director at the time was like, well, listen, like this probably goes without saying, but I fucking love you. And if you ever need a job, if you ever need a job here, like the door is open. So I was like, that's okay, awesome. Sick. Felt good. Yeah. So, yeah. So from then till now went to Miami music week, like that following week after quitting. And I was like, I was just a huge party and a big celebration because I was fucking Amazing. out of the corporate life for once. <laughs> um, yeah. And we, man, we just like met a bunch of people, all pretty much every artist that we were working with at the time um, had shows going on that week, which by the way, we, our roster is different than it was then. Like, you know, we've yeah. had, we've come in and out of certain, you know, relationships with certain artists and mm-hmm. um, but some have stayed the same, you know, like we've been with John since, um, since that Miami music week, been with Kyle since that, that Miami music week, um, you know, and we've just kind of like, ended up progressing with a handful of these guys that we had been working with since day one. Yeah. Um, but after that Miami music week came back, um, you know, super inspired with a bunch of new contacts. Like that's why, I mean, you go out to Miami music yeah. week just to rub shoulders with people. Cause I'm everybody's going, out bro. there. Right. Yeah, oh yeah. No. Yeah. For sure. I mean, this, this next one next March, you know, especially with like last year's, you know, getting swept off the table, everyone's gonna go it's gonna be a big one um both of them two years but, in a row. yeah 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 i guess you're right that's right you're right fuck two years in a row fuck, As um, fuck is right <laughs> the, the reason the reason i don't consider this past years to have been off the table is because we did go to miami that week there was like a fake <laughs> miami music week during the week when it's usually supposed to happen and like that's john hilarious. was out there played a bunch of sets and, you know yeah but you're right technically it has been both years like no the conference conference that. yeah yeah exactly yeah. right exactly exactly right um but yeah so after leaving yelp um man really it's just been a day-to-day grind honestly and it was i'm not gonna lie like leaving yelp was scary even though i had this like you know cushions like little savings you know cushion uh, to fall back on 
it wasn't that much money. It was like, you know, eight to 10 grand. It's like, it's not going to last forever. That's yeah. like not even a whole year of, of rent, you know, barely. Yeah. Um, so really from what it's looked like from that day, literally until today is just like waking up every single day and working like my life depended on it because it did. And it still does. Yeah. Um, but you know, obviously the whole COVID thing is also in the middle of this. So I'm like, do you want me to like dive into that? Cause that was like a weird part of the whole March, 2019, all the way to, I think it's May, important. You know? I mean, I think it's important. Like it you is. mentioned all you. So, I mean, like you have artists like John Summit, Kyle Walker, freak on honey, love Ranger Truco, deeper purpose. Some of those recently new ads and 2020 yep. was difficult for so many people in so many different ways and the music industry got flipped upside yeah. down considering the bulk of our industry is based on live shows live events live performances yep when that started yeah. becoming a reality how did you guys start looking at how you were going to grow your artist brands without playing shows yeah so first of all i'm gonna start off by saying 2020 was actually the best year of my life yeah today, which is like which is weird uh to say but right it was it really shook a lot of things up, you know, it kind of forced like a shift in perspective on everything. Yeah. Um, and it actually was, it was kind of nice for us because at the time, you know, like March of 2020, none of our artists were really like, like pop and pop to the point where like touring was, like the end all be all for them you know like if you're an established yeah. if you were an established artist in march of 2020 like if you were like shiba san yeah like you like that happened and you're like fuck yep like what am i gonna fucking do yeah right? yeah but for most of our guys and for us we were like well like we can obviously sit here and dwell on the fact that like nobody knows when the fuck shows are coming back yeah or we can use this time to kind of figure out how to like make every other piece of our guys' projects pop off and like relevant. So that's what we did, you know? Oh, yeah. The other thing too, is like being a manager, like, you know, you're, you're, you're like a life coach too. You know, you're um, a friend, a, you know, a psychologist, a fucking <laughs> dating coach, you're, you're everything for your guys. <laughs> right. So a lot of it too was like keeping everyone motivated and keeping everyone optimistic and in the right headspace. Um, but it really, it helped a lot of our guys out because <clears throat> just like I did, a lot of our, our guys moved out of whatever apartment house or whatever they were paying rent for and moved back home, you know, went and just got rid of expenses, lived rent free with the fam and whatever. Yeah. And that's exactly what I did as well. Yeah. And kind of gave you know a real opportunity for everybody to just focus on music and like mm -hmm. focus on figuring out creative ways to kind of progress their brand and everything that they you know had kind of around their project outside of just touring yeah um yep. so and it allowed me and holt to like really focus on that too so we were able to kind of sharpen a lot of skills you know from that side of things because we didn't have to worry about trying to book shows or you know advancing or like whatever it was right um but yeah the, like the big you know like the elephant in the room is john wrote deep end um in his parents basement 
you know, and like you just shared that video. Has it just been a year? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So a little, it was been over a year. It came out at the very end of May or actually maybe even the beginning of June. Oh yeah. Cause he, right, 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 right. Yeah. So it's been, it's been a little over a year, but, um, so yeah, he wrote that record in his parents' basement on like two uneven bar stools. His monitors are like freaking <laughs> uneven and he's like, like sitting on like a swivel chair, just like in his, in his parents' basement, wrote that record, pulled an all-nighter, wrote it. Um, and he shot it off to Wes Saunders, the, you know, the managing director, um, of Defected Records. Um, and literally like, I don't remember if it was the next night or it was like within a couple of days, we like looked at the SoundCloud, you know, like the, the private play count right. and see how many times like a private track's been played and was have listened to it like 22 times or something or 23 times like yeah like an absurd amount <laughs> and we were like holy shit and like before we knew it he's like in holt's email and like responding to john like through dms like we want to sign this record like we think we can make this like biggest record of the year like wow. let's hop on a call asap we want to like discuss a plan to like get this out um and so that's what we did got it out obviously everybody knows how that turned out it was you know promoted very well defected knows what they're doing yes they do um they pushed it really really hard and we pushed it hard on our end and john you know did all the right stuff with his social media with his branding and just his overall image and yep um all the stars kind of aligned so to speak so that that was like that just put a lot of attention obviously on john yeah. Um, but also a lot of attention on us because it was like, holy shit, like who's behind this guys guy? Have been work- well, exactly. And, you know, John's one of those projects that we've been working with since day one. You know, we were working with him back when he had like, 700 followers on Instagram and he just had a hundred thousand followers the other day, That's like or a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, it, it, like 2020, obviously for that reason was incredible, but also like can't discredit credit all the other artists on our roster every single act that we started working with or that we were working with before the pandemic came out of it better off than they were going into it yeah kyle walker same thing worked his ass off quit his day job took a leap of faith on music and kind of rebranded uh not even rebranded but like you know was switching up stylistically the route he wanted to go used to make bass house it was a little bit more like edme um Mm -hmm. you know back when he first started um and actually had some like pretty good recognition we were talking about this earlier like he played north coast you know on jaws's like bite this stage like he had (laughs) multiple records on bite this and now like yeah now he's releasing on repopulate mars and sweat and (laughs) you know like not that style at all but it took him some time to kind of like you know shift his focus into a a new sound and ultimately that just came down to him you know discovering how amazing that that sound is and that style yep. and he realized that that's that was the route he wanted to go um so yeah i mean he came out of it absolutely crushing we signed freak on um you know like right before the pandemic it was like in january actually of, of 2019 mm-hmm. uh, or no of 2020 sorry um and you know that was another project it was a little bit newer at the time so it was weird like that was like definitely uncharted territory because um we hadn't even been managing him for very long and then all of a sudden the whole world shut down so yeah for sure like what do we do here right um 
but yeah, like really the, the, the whole roster just came out of the pandemic so strong and like super proud of all of them. They kept a good head on their shoulders and they stayed like the course and it's yeah, exactly one of the best management rosters I've seen in the game right now, bro. And, and props I, to you and I, all, everything you've built. I appreciate that. Awesome. I appreciate that. Inspiring, and, you know, dude. It's they, sick. They, you know, these guys make our job easy, you know, every day. It's not an easy job, but they make it as easy as it possibly could be. They make it um, easy. So, yeah. you know, we, we like to deflect all the credit to them whenever we can. But, um, yeah, I mean, they really – they everybody came out of this pandemic just firing on all cylinders. And then when shit started opening back up, we felt like we were ahead of the game, you know, because there not everybody did that. There were a lot of artists that kept their head down and kept working and releasing yeah. music and doing creative stuff, live streams, you know, funny bits on social media, whatever yeah. it was to stay relevant. And yeah. there were a lot of people that came out of it kind of in a similar boat. Like they like certain people uh, didn't waste their time, but flip side of that there were a lot of artists that got left behind in 2020 and a lot of dudes that you know kind of came to a screeching halt and it it exposed a lot of shit because i think there were certain artists not going to name any names but i think that there were definitely a handful of artists that like people in 2020 after like the pandemic hit were almost like wait a second why was it like why was i such a big fan of of this act yeah, you know, like they haven't come out, they haven't come out with music and so on. And then you realize just how important touring is, because if you have touring history in certain markets, you know, and maybe you released music back in the day, but you kind of slowed up since whatever it is. Oh, yeah. You like touring is important for that reason, because just from getting slotted on certain lineups and having brand recognition and having your, you know, as long as you're not a terrible DJ, um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're going to yeah, you're going to get booked again. So it kind of exposed a lot of people, but truth. So yeah, that's, that's, uh, that was how we came out of 2020 and then, you know, into 2021 beginning of this year, you know, everything is kind of slowly, but surely started opening back up and, and now we're doing shit overseas and, you know, our whole roster within the span of a year, like we went from literally our entire roster, not being signed to booking agents to, as of like literally a couple weeks ago, our entire roster is signed to, the best booking agents, yep. you know, in, in North America. So um, now everybody is just like firing and we got touring back online and yeah, yeah man, man, it's, it's, it's been amazing. Like I said, you gotta, you gotta be able to like stop and kind of pat yourself on the back sometimes. And that's like when we're out we're with our dudes and we say like, you know, mm-hmm. we see our dudes fucking crushing to a crowd, you know, a packed crowd of, you know, 800,000 people, whatever that's what makes it worth it. Cause you're like, right. Literally a year ago, we were in mom's basement and like, you know, Dude. fucking no light at the end of the tunnel. And now here we are at the light. At that's the end right. Of the tunnel, you and know? it's like, we talked about too many times, the, the passage of time seems short, but long. I yeah. Mean, just I, depends on. I tell the John summit story all the time, it. all the time to people, man. You just got to, you, you never know when something's going to work. So just focus on your yeah. craft and just stay true to that and be aware that this is an adapt or die industry. Be very, very fucking aware of that. You can't just yep. have good music. You can't just be a good DJ. You can't, you might be able to just have a good social media presence, but that can be, yeah. hard, you know, but of course you got to understand that there are, there are layers to this shit and you, you have to realize that in this day and age, it's so important to play to your strengths, but understand how to really, how to really spread it out 
to get your name out there, like an omnipresence type idea. You know 100%, what I mean? A hundred percent. And a lot of it too is like, I think a really underrated factor that goes into all of it is timing. Yes. And because, because dude, we talk about this with John all the time. Like there's so many records that he put out like pre deep end and pre pandemic that if he were to release right now would go number one on Beatport, million plus streams, absolutely blow the fuck up. But because of the timing of it, they have, 30,000 streams and got released, you know, back in fucking November of 2018 or whatever it was. So timing is a really important thing too. And, you know, you can even kind of attribute some of that to deep end, like that, that vocal, that sample got really big on TikTok, right? Um, It was on splice. John heard it. I was like, Oh, like, I can make a sick dope house record out of this. Like, yeah, like he didn't, it's not like he sat down and was like, I'm going to write fucking house (laughs) record of the year. And yeah. Yeah. Granted he finished the track and was like, Holy shit, this is actually really good. Like, I think this could fucking be something big, (laughs) but going into it, it's not like, you know, you don't, you're not sitting here thinking like, I'm going to write a hit. I'm going to write the biggest record in the world, like for the next year. But the timing of it again, like, Everybody was locked down. We're like two months into quarantine. Everybody's locked into social media, to the digital world. Yep. Um, and, you know, he wrote that record. The The sample was huge on TikTok. There's the, the Sleepy Hollow version that like UK rapper, you know, who like used it first, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, again, it's just the time of the stars aligned, shot it over to Wes, defected, like one of the like biggest like, house labels in the world and one of his biggest goals you know to get on yeah and they heard in it exactly what i think john heard in it when he was done you know and had the final product was like timing of this is like right right now like everybody can relate to this track they know it's like it's it's a notable sample and you know kind of like it was just like a little bit of like a feel-good record but like it, uh, it's one of those it's one of those like tracks like you listen to the vocals too it could mean anything yeah like you yeah. know what i mean trying not to go off the deep end it's like well everybody was kind of going off the deep end at that point because yeah. we fucking we we're all <laughs> locked up you know what i mean like it just yeah again timing i think is a very underrated um piece when it comes to everything but yeah especially music so a lot of it too is about being able to recognize that and figure out how you can use it to your advantage absolutely man um and yeah man he's he he knows what he's doing and he's like he's as much of a third manager on you know on his project as as he is the artist behind it so very very important very mature outlook so one thing i think a lot of people uh, outside the music industry and up and coming artists is they don't really fully understand the difference between a manager and an agent. Can you kind of explain at what point, like if I'm yeah. an upcoming artist, do I feel like I need management? And as a manager, yeah. at what point do you feel like you need to get an agent? Yeah, totally. So I would say, so, the, I mean, just let's start with the difference between the two. Yeah. So the difference between the two, obviously like a booking agent only handles bookings. It's a little bit more of an A to B task than management. Okay. And I want to say that lightly because booking agents, especially good agents, like they do a lot. It's not, yeah. it's not actually just an A to B mundane task. Right. I'm just saying it is more so than management because mm-hmm. as a manager, like I was saying, like you have to be a life coach. You have to be a 
marketing guru. You have yeah. to understand like PR. You have to understand the entire scene that you're working in. You kind of need to know every every facet of it. You need to understand how events are run. You need to understand what makes a successful event so mm-hmm. that you can put your artist in good situations to be successful from a touring standpoint. Right. Um, you have to understand how to work records. You have to understand like how to read through a contract and how to redline a contract. Um, yeah. There's just a lot, it's a lot more 360. Okay. Um, so those are the, those are the two main differences. But then as far as like when, if you're an up and coming artist, when you need one or the other, yeah, I would say it's important to get your first couple of like legitimate releases under your belt without a manager. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause I think it is one of those things like some up and coming artists, like they just want to be able to say they have a manager kind of just sounds oh, true. Cool. like, Oh, like reach out to my manager or like right. <laughs> c- ceasing in my management, you know? Yeah. But it really is important as an artist to also have a lot of the same knowledge and understanding that your management does, because you want to be, you want to be a project that's involved in, um, every step that, you know, your management is kind of involved with because that's, what's going to give the best outcome. Like that's what I was saying, you know, like with John earlier and to be honest, our whole roster too, Yeah, you know, like they're all involved in their projects just as much as we are, because Mm -hmm. you you gotta, you like, you have to, in today's day and age, especially you have to be able to have like kind of a business mindset about it. Um, and realize like how all of these pieces of the industry kind of come together. So I would say if you're an up and comer, really important to get your first like couple to like handful of releases under your belt by yourself and try to like learn as much as possible about like, don't just like passive aggressively do it and say, Oh, well, I just signed two records and released two records. So I'm good. Now I need management. Like Mm. really figure out like what, it looks like, you know, and, you know, communicate with the label that you're working with, figure yeah. out what that pre-release strategy is, what the strategy is post-release and how to market it properly. And, mm-hmm. you know, every little piece that's going into it. And then I would say like, when it's time to like start seeking out management yeah, is when you're one, it's kind of like, there's really no like definitive answer, but I would say it's some sort of like combination of or if like one of these two things are happening if you actually start releasing on like legitimate labels so like you go from releasing on kind of just like a not not very well known kind of a mid-tier like label or something yeah exactly exactly something more like a collective or whatever once you go from releasing on that to like you know something legit you know like fucking trying to think of like a good common ground yeah or like in rotation or like something that's a little bit more established and definitive yep um you know and then it's then it's kind of like all right now there's like you know there's there's something there's something here and that's when you want to try to like seek out somebody to help to be honest like even aside from just pushing your project in the right direction and making sure you're you know getting your best foot forward also just being able to do a lot of the busy work. Cause there is a lot of just like yeah. shit that needs to get done that like as an artist who's legit and starting to become legit, you should not be spending your time doing, you should be in the studio working on music and working on branding and your social media presence. And like, yep. so it's really a combination of like that. And then also if you start getting hit up to get, to get booked for shows, cause 
that's another thing where it's like, okay, well, you got to understand any manager is, you know, at the end of the day, going to want to be in a, you know, a successful project that's going to make them money. So if you don't have some sort of like, um, I guess like foresight that that's going to happen, that you are going to be able to make some money here, then it's like, what, what manager is going to want to take her, you know what I mean? Take a risk on an artist that exactly. So some combination of all of that, like, I guess it's really, it's less of like a definitive thing and more of a feeling when it's like, okay, shit, like things are kind of getting legit here. You know what I mean? That's when it's time to look to seek out a manager. Yeah. And then an agent, um, to be honest, it's kind of like the next tier up from that. It's like once, because a lot of what happens with up and comers is like, like, you know, we did this with all, all of our guys for a couple of years before all of them got like legit, legit is right. your manager ends up fielding a lot of these like inbound booking inquiries. And then also like, you know, trying to reach out to their own contacts to get you booked and this and that. I would say you need an agent when you're like at the point where you can legitimately go tour like yeah. different markets around the country. You yeah. know what I mean? Like if right. you've only ever played, if, if you grew up in, you know, New York or Miami and you've only ever played like, lo- like local venues around like your area or whatever. The best you venues though, right? yeah. It yeah. could even be the best ones. Exactly. Like you right. could be playing space Miami every week, but if you've never played in Atlanta, which, you know, Atlanta, Georgia, which is like a hop, skip and a jump away from Florida. Right. You have no demand there. Like you're not going to have demand in Arizona. You're not going to have demand in Denver. You yep. know, you're not going to have demand in California. So it, it really, you, it, it comes down to, like I said, it's less of a defined, like at this exact moment in your careers when you're going to yeah. need it. And it's more of like a feeling. And a lot of it too, is like, you want these things to happen naturally. Like you don't want to go seek out a manager that like isn't hundred percent stoked on your project. Yeah. You know, like I, sure. I always say this, like, like we're like, we like Holt and I are our artists biggest fans. Yeah. yeah and that's how it that. should be as, as a manager. Mm-hmm. If you, if you're, if you're an artist manager and you aren't your artist's biggest fan, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. So if you're an up and coming artist, like make sure you're like, you have a good feeling that like this person believes, you know, before yeah. you just go like sign away. Yeah. And then honestly, it's the exact same thing with an agent too. Like yeah. you want an agent to be able to look at your project and be like, I see the trajectory here. I see how I can come in and make a direct impact. I can work well with your management and we can put together a cohesive strategy, get you into these key markets and hopefully get you to the point where you are headlining like large cap venues. Yeah. Eventually, you know? Right. So that's, um, wow. those are kind of the steps and yeah, those are very like, those no, long, bro. Like I wanted that a lot of word that? vomit there, but no, 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 that all, that all makes sense. And I, I mean, don't you feel like that's a very confusing part of the industry for people though? Oh, for sure. It is for sure. It is. I mean, even, even as a manager, it's like, cause yeah. we just wanted agents like, as soon as we could possibly get them. Cause like, <laughs> cause your artists like, want you to get them gigs. Exactly. And that is like, not usually something that a manager is necessarily good at inherently. It's not like it, it is its own, like separate entity of, of this business. Um, so 
and also like from a little bit more of a selfish like standpoint yeah you get a good booking agent your artist makes more money you make more money as the manager so right. it's like it's just it's like you know kind of just makes sense so we've been totally. we, we wanted booking agents for all of our guys as soon as we could possibly get them you know but yeah. Now being a little bit more established and further along in the process, I, I can see and I understand like how that pro how that process unfolds a little bit better. It's not that you just like hit a certain point and you just go jump into a you know a, a relationship with an agent and sign immediately. Like your management has to be able to communicate well with your agent because right. that you're really what you're doing is as a manager, like you're technically you're hiring like an employee into your, you know, into your company. Like we we like to kind of view each artist almost as its own company. Like, okay. cause that's really, cause that's really what it is. It's actually a very yeah. like useful way to, to look at it. Yeah. Um, and as a manager, right. You're kind of like the, like the artist is kind of like the CEO, I guess. Like they are like the, the end all be all, like they make all the decisions. They don't want a record to come out. Like, you don't really have saying that we're like, okay, fine. If right. they don't want to play a gig, like, all right, fine. Like, you know, you don't have to play a gig. Right. Um, but as a manager, you're, you're more of like the COO, you know, like okay. you're kind of like the, yeah. you're handling the operations of everything and you're putting, you're putting like pieces in place around your, your company um, to be as successful as possible. And as a COO, right. Uh, or a manager of an artist, mm -hmm. when you're bringing on an agent, like you need to make sure that you can communicate well with them because you're bringing them on to essentially sell your product. Yeah. You know? Ooh. And so, yeah, so it, good. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. So yeah. It, there's like a lot of, a lot of different, um, moving pieces that kind of come to play with it. Um, and then, when you're pitching agents, you have to be able to, again, this is where sales really comes into all this. Like <laughs> when we're having these conversations with, with agents, like we're essentially pitching why they should sign our artists. Yeah. Like you should sign our artists because we think like they can make you a shit ton of money and we want to, we want you to sign them like you specifically, because we think you can make us and him a shit ton of money. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, it's such a like weird, like, kind of cycle of um you know how everything like comes together and plays this like bigger overarching you know role but yeah um but yeah it is it's definitely something that you know if you're like just getting started in the industry or you're like an up-and-comer that can be a little daunting definitely. you know yeah um but yeah that's probably the best way i could I, I love that. I, there's a quote I heard a long time ago from a friend and he said, an artist is a brand and the brand is the business. And yep. I think that that's simply put as an artist, mm -hmm. you want to be creative. You want to be unique. It, it's art, right? So it's, it's, of course. it's subjective to whoever thinks like, this is good. This is bad. And it, it's tough. Yep. And then when it comes down to it, if you want to make a career as an artist, you need to get managerial help that turns it into a business, right? And that's those steps can be hard because I love how you said it. Like each each artist is a company and they're the CEO. Yep. You're the COO. Yep. And I think yep. I, I really, if there's any other management companies out there, anybody really is thinking like that, not thinking like that, they need to because I think that, that's yep. very wise of you, Parker. Yeah, smart. Yeah, that's that, that really, it's the best way to put it as well as like just even in general, we like, 
it's so much easier to kind of look at things from like an, a standpoint of analogies because it makes you yeah take a step back a little bit and kind of right. look at it and like everything that we do for our guys um it, like it has to be purpose driven because mm-hmm. on one hand yes this is your passion and you're a creative and you're an artist and like exactly. we, like i get that i get that i understand yeah. that but our job is to like make you fucking money <laughs> and make turn it into a career for you like you're an yeah, artist i get that facts. but like do you do you want to do this for the rest of your life and you want this to be your career and then take it a step further like we want to be doing this for the rest of our lives as right. our career. so if we don't turn this into your career it's not a career for us like it's got to become a career for you first otherwise we're we're not doing anything so so true you have to you have to look at it like that and every thing you do from like the top line that you're deciding to like you know sit down and try to write a track over to like the fucking videographer that we're gonna hire this weekend for the festival you're playing like shout out everything Mason Ripple, though shout out to mace facts facts <laughs> one of the best in the biz yeah. um but everything every little like piece like from from that to that like i just said has to be purpose driven there has to be a reason behind it and like an overarching like you know because and i think a lot of this industry too is and i say this from experience because this is how it was for us um when we first started out and even some parts of it now is like this but a lot of it is just like throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks (laughs) it really is like you know because like if, if you've never released with a label before you know and you but you've maybe seen like them get some good results from you know, a past release from another artist that, you know, whatever, like, you're like, all right, I'm going to give this a shot, but it's not like every release that ever comes out, like even like, like the best labels in the world release records that miss, you know? So, and I'm just using that as an example, but sure. the, the over overarching theme here is like, you throw shit at the wall until you figure out what sticks and then you 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 keep throwing keep shit that same shit. shit. <laughs> yeah, basically you keep throwing you, you do it until you you do it until you have no more shit to throw at the wall because you know exactly what's gonna stick. Yes, dude. So like just throw shit at the wall until until it sticks is like the moral of the story. That's what I'm getting at here. We're clipping that. That's good right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Do you watch Trailer Park Boys? Yeah, it's been too long, but I did, yeah. But, but, you know, Jim Leahy always, like, comes up with shit analogies. That's literally (laughs) what that reminded me of. Just, like, yeah. It's it's very applicable. Yeah, 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 it is. I mean, it's just the biggest thing is, like, find in every little thing that you're doing, whether you're an artist, manager, agent, whatever, you have to be thinking, like, purpose-driven result. Everything's got to be results-driven. Yeah. A lot of people do shit and don't really know why they're doing it sometimes. Absolutely. You know, amazing, amazing advice and perspective, man. Thank you for sharing all that. Yeah, no, of course. Of course. That's just how we look at it. So it is how you look at it. So I have uh, a question that I've been asking a lot of people in the house music industry. And like I said, it's an exciting time for us. I kind of mentioned in one way or another, like we all kind of graduate from EDM school um, and, and make it into the house music world. If you still love it, I have my own beliefs. But I don't think it's any secret that house music is is bigger than ever. I don't want to say it's going commercial, but if you look at electronic music, okay. it is. 
if you look yes, at the lineups of festivals, I, I I'm gonna say it. Okay, this is a safe space, right? House yeah. music is going commercial, and it's it thanks to a lot of massive artists that stayed true, and a lot of labels that have really blown up. Um, I mean, we talk about a lot of your artists, but we look at the Chris Lakes, the Sonny Federas, of course, Fisher, Lane Eight, Lee Foss, Green Velvet, Nora Pure. Yep. They're bigger than ever yep. and doing better than ever in the United States. I mean, plain and simple, Parker. Why do you think that is? Well, I think that, so first of all, I mean, the way that like dance music, in my opinion, has kind of just been laid out. If you really like look at the history of it, like yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's kind of cyclical. It's like mm-hmm. you really come into these like certain trends and these pockets where like genres blow up and, you know, kind of transcend edm as a whole which is like kind of happening right now with house music like you like you turn on the radio and like you know fucking you'll hear like a katie perry track or like a taylor swift track that's got a four on four to four beat and it's like it's like that's fucking how that's a house beat i mean it's or not a house, diplo like, or somebody yeah exactly. yeah exactly <laughs> like you wouldn't necessarily call that house music but it's like like everywhere you go i mean do a lipa like there's a lot of disco in disco for shit and like right. you, so like it's cyclical. And I think that, you know, when you just take a look, like even like the last decade, right. Like, like 2012, right. And we talked about Avicii earlier and like, that was like the EDM boom. That's when like big room was like massive and progressive house. And like, just like all that feel good shit that like, you can just go bang out at a main stage at a festival. Um, Dubstep had such a fucking moment kind of intertwined with that and Trap had its moment for like 15 minutes Future (laughs) Bass had its moment for like three minutes you know (laughs) and so it's cyclical and I think that kind of like what you said like people graduate right they get into dance music they're intrigued by something and then they get not bored of it but they're like all right, like what else is there and then like and then genres start getting, you know, kind of fused together, you know, like that's how like, like bass house, like that was like somewhat of a recent, like, I don't want to say trend, it's still relevant, but it's died, you know, it, it's, 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 it's definitely come down. Um, but that was really just like, you know, for lack of a better way to put it, it was like bass music, meeting yeah. house music. Yeah, bass man. house, you know, it's like, you hear a lot, like some of the heavier shit that like, you know, abstract abstract and chami used to play and like whatever i mean it was like literally sounded like dubstep over a fucking like you know 128 true um so i think that today's like big house boom like for one you have to attribute a a lot of a lot of it to like the music itself you know like like you said the chris lakes and the fishers of the world and the lee fosses and the green velvets and the claude von strokes yeah definitely like they've had they've had such a influential part of like bringing you know elements into this world that make it a little bit more palatable for people for a wider audience essentially yes yeah definitely um and i think again like i said this earlier like a lot of it's just timing you know like you hit like certain certain records come out and then get followed up with other records and then people discover this artist and it leads them to this one and this one and this one and before you know it you got 
like fucking house acts headlining main stages right now which Amazing. like 2012 would have never been the case like no. they just threw them like at edc <laughs> they threw all the house acts in, into the neon garden it was like all right all the crazy house heads <laughs> oh, you guys can go over there like we're listening to fucking avishi and zed's bed out here yeah 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 but now it's like it is not like that at all and i think like really it just comes down to like you said it's it's the you know the discovery um of new genres as you know uh you start to get into others and then it's the music like Mm -hmm. it's just fucking good right now we're in this era of house music where like yeah it's so and it's like the and this is the reason i like house music so much and like i love having discussions with people that aren't into it Mm-hmm. especially ones that and when i say aren't into it i don't necessarily mean that are super against it but i also like having conversations with people that are super against it they're usually <laughs> the ones that are like they're usually the ones that are like oh, house music sounds the same <laughs> right they're no literally i know right i'm like all right let's have a conversation about i'm it. gonna win you over yeah <laughs> literally no ben but but it's true because a lot of like usually they're the ones like the naysayers they're the ones that always say like house music all sounds the same it's like really it's like okay well, let me go ahead and play. Like I can play, uh, I can find a house track, like mm-hmm. a record, for literally any mood. Like yep. I and that and that's why I like it so much. Because if I if it's like a, if it's a fucking rainy day and I just want to go outside and like you know fucking sip on a cup of tea and fucking yeah. just There's like read the book or whatever, I can put on some. Like I'm just gonna use a couple names that you mentioned earlier. I'll, I'll put on Noran Pure or yeah. Lane Eight, just a little bit chiller, more mellow, like yeah. you know whatever it is. If I'm trying to rage, like I'm gonna throw some deeper purpose on. I want to yes. hear a fucking raunchy <laughs> baseline, you know, or some John Summit or some Kyle Walker. Like throw Zilla on and let me just like fucking <laughs> like let me out of my cage. You know yes. What I mean? Um, if I'm trying to like, if I'm trying to like groove, you know, like all right, I got a fucking record for that. I got an artist for that. If I'm trying to like take it down a notch, like I'll throw some disco on. It's a little bit slower. It's not like, you know, it's yep. not as high energy, uh, high, high paced of like a, a genre. Right. Um, there's just so many different like styles of it. And I think that that's another reason it's so relevant today because, you know, on the same stage, you can have everyone from a Nora and Pure and a Lane 8 to a Vintage yeah. Culture and a John Summit. And like at the end yeah. of the day, their music is very different. But sure. but fans are down to see all of it. They're down to like kind of get taken on that journey when they're at a festival and they're yeah. just ready to camp out and like, you know, yeah. soak it all in. So I love the it's a way fun you time. Love music, man. It's a, oh, I love it. It's the best, man. I, and like the culture behind it, like that's a whole nother story. It's amazing. Like everybody mm. loves everybody. And um, it's just, yeah, dude, it's, we're in a really cool era right now for, for music. It's totally. Fucking, and it's it, awesome. it, it's, I think for so many, for the naysayers and for so many people, it takes that, that live experience to, to really understand it. Cause it's, it's an energy 100%. and we live in a time where, even on a, at a minimal level, the, the speakers in this world are fucking insane, let alone at a festival, right? And like the production, oh, yeah. the production workspaces that we work in, like David Guetta totally. talks about how when he used to spin house music on vinyl records in the gay clubs in France, and now he's on CDJ 3000s with waveforms bigger than his fucking head. Tight, tight Literally. mixes, you know what I mean? Like this yeah. shit sounds yeah. fucking good. 
and yeah and looks good it looks good, good and it just it's like thing. an exciting time to to be alive in in electronic music just in general and in music and it's so funny because in the grand screen grand scheme of music right like electronic music is such a small small amount of what's consumed still rock oh, music totally. pop music still the biggest things Hip-hop. right yeah but it's still it, country country and it, it's growing and i think why it continues to grow is because as generations kind of fade and, and our generations kind of grow and my younger brother is three years younger than me and i remember in college he was listening to mala and he was like you like house music man i'm like you like house music ben <laughs> he was like yeah, i love yeah, Shami like- and mala i was like that's fucking sick dude and now yeah, like, you know yeah. he like drags me to the night base stage at spring awakening now and i'm like I love this shit. And my theory is that people still love the music, but they don't want to jump anymore. They want to dance. Yep. Totally. That's a hundred percent. I've, I've said that quote before. And I think even an artist has said that before too, where it's like, and they don't, the artists don't want to jump anymore. They'd rather crush a two hour set than an hour. I got to get it all in. Just, just straight here. You don't need to fucking, yeah. You know what I mean? Like you don't need to like go crazy and fucking jump all over the place and throw elbows. It's like, you know, maybe that's fun for like a set. Like, of course, like, you know, I appreciate all dance music. Me too. So like, so like, yeah, like I'll go get down at the base stage for a set, but like, yeah, I can't listen to that shit all day. Just can't. I can't listen to that. Can't listen to that shit for three days straight. House music. I can fucking listen to all day and go to the after parties and go to the after, like send me to movement where I can listen to techno on one stage, disco on the next tech house on this stage. Movement's the best. It is. It's amazing. Um, But you know, I think you're right. It is, but that's kind of what I mean when I say it's cyclical, like it's, it's, it's generational as well. And the other thing too, that I think like you need to, that people need to like take into account is like like edm right like what does that stand for like electronic dance music yeah well let's think about it like we're literally in the most technologically advanced like generation time (laughs) period in the history of the world by far so it's like so like when i was saying earlier even like yeah every now and then you know you turn the radio on and even it doesn't matter even if it's fucking taylor swift like you hear like certain elements of electronic music being incorporated into other genres yeah exactly (laughs) but exactly well and why is that because we live in the most technologically advanced like time in history so of course like if that's going to seep into like technology seeps into everything so of course it's why wouldn't it seep into music you know what i mean so yeah i think like there's there's a ton of variables that that kind of come into play as far as that's concerned but when it comes back to good old house music man i just think like people <laughs> they just they find them they it just it always like it's part of the history it's so enriched in the history that it's like it's hard not to come like come back to that you know come eventually make your way to the house stage i guess it's like yes. there's there's a house record for everybody out there i'm I'm convinced. I've not, I, I still, I've like really have yet to meet somebody who's like, I hate house music. Cause if they do, I'm like, okay, well let's have a five minute talk. And I, I will, <laughs> I promise by the time we're done having this conversation, you'll be over it. You're so, so, you're so right though. It is cyclical. Like when I started DJing 
And my dad, you know, he grew up in Queens, New York and in the sixties and seventies and loves disco. And when I, when I DJed one time and he came to a show and I played like a Bee Gees song or something like that, his mind was blown. And he saw people yeah. dancing. He was like, you're telling me you guys like to dance to disco music. I'm like, this is, this is house music, dad. This is it. This is yeah. it, baby, with some disco flavors. Yeah. And he's like, 100%. unbelievable. This is incredible. No, I love today's 100%. age. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> well, dude, I think like, so I think I owe a little bit of my like, love for house music to my mom because she loved disco yeah you know, and that was like that was oh, like I was one of her big disco, genres right yeah. so, exactly so like you know i remember like she'd play like old like luther vandross tracks nice. and like fucking yeah. like you know and you're just like i have memories of listening to these records and then it's funny because now listening to some of the tracks that like she used to love and would play back when i was a kid i listened to it and i'm like my god that bass line I'm like that's <laughs> sick like i'm like somebody should sample that turn that yeah. into in the tech house heater right now but also even aside from that i'm like oh like duh it's like of course house music like of course house music is like relevant yeah. right now of course i like house of course everyone does because like it's always been it's always been around it's like always just gets reinvented and kind of like you know new forms of it get created as new technology blossoms and it's just there's you know there's a lot of variables that go into play with it but it's yeah there's one one thing that's for sure it's that we're in a fucking cool ass time cool era to to be um you know just around music i know especially working in music so true and there's nothing more i love than talking about how much i love music with other people too and they, yeah, you yeah. don't have to sell each other can, here two salesmen talking about no. how much we love something for once a hundred percent no i i can see it and i agree i'm mean, gonna talk about this shit all day long and i do i do i talk do about talk about it about it. so do you so here so here we are yeah yeah oh no, my it's, god it's no joke it's dude no this joke, has been man. this has been such a fun interview like i i had yeah no, dude not surprised at all but like what what can you tell us what's going on the rest of the year with with metatone and, and some of your artists whatever you can reveal yeah so um we got a lot of cool shit on the touring side coming up so mm-hmm. like i said before with edc um we got we have four artists playing a total of 10 sets that weekend who we got um, summit deeper so kyle we, West or not no, West. so no, no, no. So we got Kyle Walker, John Summit, Freak On, and Honey Love. Um, for them four, John's got like four sets, Honey Love's got two, Kyle's got one, Vinny's got one. Um, yes, yeah, like I think nine, nine sets, maybe. Let's go, Vinny. Um, Let's right fucking yeah. go, Vinny. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually like arguably most looking forward to to the the day he's playing because he's a great so, and, and, dj and, bro i know you know oh that. yeah he's, he's a good yeah performer. he's a yeah and he's just a he's just a fucking wild personality to go with he it is. and it shines through when he's playing um True. but no so he him and john are on the same um same lineup for the the pre-party in the campgrounds on like the thursday of edc <laughs> so it's like it's like it's like freak on biscuit or like yeah freak on torn foot biscuits uh dom dalla and the, or no john and then dom dalla like that's like the fucking that's the lineup and it's gonna be 
slammed with just everybody like ready to get that weekend that's started. That's the opposite and of a casual pre-party. That's like let's no, literally, get after there's it. nothing there's nothing <laughs> casual to it at all. And also like Torin is like one of my good buddies because like I that's what I was saying earlier. I still have like connections from back when I worked in events. He was like one of the first like friends artist that was like a friend that I made um because he came out um he dude it's like 2017 he ended up he was like direct support for Wolfgang Gardner at Maya Day Club and I was like I know I know but that's like I'm saying that because that's like how long ago yeah, it was man. and and like you know we partied fucking the whole day and then we hung out like into the night and hung out the next day was in town all this this whole like, whole shebang uh, and then Dom, same thing. Like I was, I took care of Dom at Maya before he was like really popping off. Um, and again, he was, Dom was like direct support for another like, you know, dope act at the day club. Um, and and then he came back a year later and actually headlined it. And I ran that show too. So Hell yeah. like all, all a bunch of homies, John's really good friends with both of them as well. He did the remix for Torin. Him and Dom have been like homies for the last like couple years. And then, so it's just going to be a fucking, it's going to be a great party. time backstage. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm like nervous for my liver. Uh, hey, for that. I got those Z-biotics for you, okay? You're going to be Oh, yeah, I'm going to, no, hook it up. I'm going to need that before <laughs> Halloween week, before, well, yeah. But so, and then that's what I was going to say too. So EDC week, and then we're leading into Halloween weekend. Whole roster's got shit going on that weekend. That's going to be Kyle's like first, like big, big, like four day run. So he's headlining trio at Charleston. And we head over to 45 East in Portland, playing with like Shiba San and a bunch of others. They got a cool little like two day like lineup thing. Um, and then he's going to play outside lands in San Francisco. Oh, um, dude, which, that's going to be sick. Yeah, dude, we're super, like, I'm most stoked for that because like, dude, like literally like Tame Impala and Tyler the Creator are on that lineup. Like, that's just like, it's a dope ass festival. Yeah. And then after that, so that's that Saturday. And then he hops up to San Diego <clears throat> that Sunday for Crossed. Um, they're doing their Fright Moves, like Halloween festival. Dude, Crossed um, is, is picking it up. It's not just. They are. No, it's not all. just Crossed anymore. They got, they got like all their like in-between shit that they're doing. It's, it's sick. They're, they they're run doing the scene, a good job. Yeah for sure for sure um so yeah man just a lot of touring and a lot of really big records um that are in the books and just you know waiting for them to come out and waiting to push them so that we can get them you know in front of as many people as possible hey my dms are open for some unreleased from metatone bro i'm i, I got you dude i'm ready and rocking, ready to roll i'm i absolutely love your guys music i think I can say confidently in any house set, I in any set, really, like guaranteed, I drop one Metatone artist track, like for a fact. Oh, I love that. That's amazing. You know, I love hearing shit. Like I'll start that. proving it to you too. <laughs> oh, I believe it. I believe it, dude. I, I totally believe it. It's funny because like we've been like even on like Beatport, there are times when like we'll look up at like the Beatport top 10 and we're like, holy shit. Like <laughs> 30 like 30 30 percent of this is metatone artists and then like another 30 or 40 percent of it is aida artists and then we're like wait a second like there's like what's going on here like you guys get it uh, like yeah, nobody else gets it yeah yeah and then dude even um 
I looked up the other day, like the top, cause you know, you can check on beat stats, like the top selling artists in each genre or whatever. And I looked the top selling artists on Beatport in tech house for the last three months and deeper purposes in it. Yeah. Kyle's in it and John's number one. So like John's one, Kyle's like six. And I think deeper purpose is like nine or something. Oh. And it's always fun. Like hearing shit like that, like you say that, or looking at like Beatport and seeing that it's like, damn, like, well, deeper has only just like, begun, bro. Oh yeah, no, he's got. He's wait until you hear some of the shit that he's got coming oh, out. I'll, I mean, I'll he just had the, the hood facts. politics boat party, and and I, yep. Susan was telling me. I don't know if you heard about that weekend, but those guys are that that whole crew is fucking wild, man. Like, yeah, if you and I got involved with that shit and some other people, I think the whole city would burn down. But they were saying deep dropping some unreleased, and everybody was like silent how good it was there. dude he's got he's got a lot of music he's sitting on so we're just like yeah we're just getting started with that project we're in the process of getting him uh so we actually he just we just signed him to the same agents that do john as well so awesome. he's um we're, we're working on getting his visa situated and and once it is and he can like come over here for like good chunks of time you're yeah game over you're listening to this and you're a deeper purpose fan just get ready you're gonna see it a lot of him uh in 2022 because he's yeah he's he's getting ready to to take over so he seems like one of those guys who like you, you look at him and you're like god does this does this is this like the most intense british guy of all time and then he's like a super nice guy <laughs> he's actually nice he's very he's the nicest guy ever it is really funny like but but he does have that little like bad boy like yeah he's got an edge like, for edge sure too. he does you know but no he is he's a fucking he's he's a good dude you it, it definitely it's kind of like holt being six foot nine when you first meet him and he's like, <laughs> like what the fuck <laughs> same thing with deeper Bur- he's like the most polite guy ever like and you're like what the fuck like why are you being this polite to me you have head tats <laughs> <laughs> But also, like, keep being that polite to me because I fuck right, with, right. you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's funny, dude. It's funny. Amazing, bro. Thank you so much, Parker, for coming on and sharing your story and, and giving some, some pieces of wisdom to everybody out there. I have so many fans that are up-and-coming artists, and they're always wanting to know, I mean, I don't know how else to say, the secrets to success. And I think you've said it in many ways, there are no secrets to success. Right? They really aren't, man. At the end of the day, it's just... 10,000 hour rule, hard work, just dedicate as much time and put as much passion into whatever part of the industry it is that you want to do. Yep. And, um, and just be a good person. I think that's like the, that's the other thing. Like that is, that is, I, tweet, I, I, I tweeted that once and it kind of went off. I can't remember exactly what the verbiage of it was, but it was something like, something like if you work in the music industry and like, you want to be successful, just don't be a piece of shit and you'll probably do all right. And yep. like, that actually is, the, that is the truth. Cause like yep. everybody ends up knowing everybody, it's a small world, uh, especially the higher up the ladder you climb and the better, you know, of a person you are and the more people want to like keep working with you. Um, it's infectious, you know? So yeah, it's hard, yep. hard work and just, just be, just be a good person. It's really what it comes down to and do it for the right reasons. Yeah. Amen, man. Hell yeah. And we're doing yeah. it for the love of music. Thank you so much. 100%. Parker, say hello to Holt for me. And um, again, I will. thank you, brother. This has been so much fun. I can't wait to party with you in person soon. Hopefully the Dude. 1942 doesn't go short nationwide so we can have a shot. Yeah. Together, okay. We're going to need to have a shot or five of that together. You probably so, yeah, got a dude, stockpile absolutely. buried in your backyard at this point, don't you? <laughs> ah!
<laughs> it's in a, it, that's a time capsule, dude. That's going to be uh, for us to dig up 10 years from now. It's aging. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah, exactly. That's what we're, we're just aging, aging like fine wine, like fine 1942. Mm, delicious. Yeah, um, delicious. I can just taste it. My body's warming up right now. I'm just thinking about it. <laughs> oh, the anxiety's coming on early. Oh yeah, I already have it. I already have it. No man, this was fun. I, I appreciate you for having me on. Though. This was this was cool, dude. Like I said, I could talk about the shit all day. So it's always fun to me to too. talk about it all day. Me too. This is is a safe space for house music. Anytime, any place, anywhere. Fuck yes, I love that. Good awesome, shit. brother. You have a good night, and uh, I'll chat with you soon. Okay. Amazing. Sounds good, bro. Peace, Parker. You're the man.